This is the Everyday AI Show, the everyday podcast where we simplify AI and bring its power to your fingertips. Listen daily for practical advice to boost your career, business, and everyday life. How can we use AI in an area like fundraising, right? Nonprofits, non-government agencies, they can use this. You know, it's, this is actually something near and dear to my heart. I, I spent 10 years working at a nonprofit. So I'm extremely excited to talk about today how we can use AI in fundraising. So welcome. My name is Jordan Wilson. I'm the host of Everyday AI. This is your daily live stream podcast and free daily newsletter helping everyday people learn and leverage AI, right? I know there are so many people who work in this industry who want to hear uh, some secrets from our guest today. So uh, give, us, give us a couple minutes. But first, we're going to go over the daily AI news. It's something we do every single day. This is how we keep up, y'all. We talk about it. All right, so let's start at the top. If you're not getting good results in AI, maybe you should be nice to your AI chatbots and coach them through it. So a new Google DeepMind study has some surprising results. So they found that the phrase, take a deep breath and work on this problem step-by-step, that was found to be the most effective prompt when using Google's own Palm 2 large language model. Um, And using that and saying, hey, breathe and take it step-by-step, it caused math scores to soar. Pretty interesting. I believe I read this a couple of months ago and I've been uh, using this myself. So it's it's cool to see there's some actual uh, data or science behind it. Uh, All right. So is there a new AI startup ready to take on Microsoft in the health field? All right. A new new startup called Cordy APS, I believe is the name. Yeah, that's it. Uh, They are a medical software startup and they've raised $60 million dollars to develop an AI-powered system to automate paperwork for hospitals and health networks. Uh, So they'll also be competing with like the the large language model we just talked about, uh, Google's uh, MedPalm 2. All right, last piece of news for the day. The medical field has another tool in the fight to predict genetic diseases. Uh, Google DeepMind recently, uh, I guess, released or uh, developed a new AI tool uh, to help in identifying these genetic diseases. It is called alpha missense, uh, and it can predict whether DNA mutations are likely to cause genetic diseases or not. Uh, it's always fascinating, you, you know, and I've talked about this on the show, you know, sectors that are really embracing AI technology and those that aren't, the medical field is doing some amazing things with AI technology and disease prevention. You love to see it. Uh, but you probably came here to see something else. You probably came here to talk about fundraising. So as a reminder, if you're listening on the podcast, check your show notes, uh, a ton of great resources in there, but we always include a link back to a discussion. So you can come and talk to our expert of the day and ask them questions. So it's an interactive, everyday AI is an interactive community where we all learn AI together. So let's do that. Let's bring on our guest for today and talk about fundraising. So uh, Ann Murphy, is the CEO of Empowered Fundraiser Consulting and Coaching. And thank you so much for joining the show. Thanks for having me, Jordan. I'm really excited about the conversation today, especially because we share a background in nonprofit fundraising. And I know we're going to have a great conversation. Oh, it's it's good. Yeah. And and um I think that there's a lot of people that can relate. And 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 at least my experience, 
you know, fun, uh, you know, nonprofits are great, but sometimes they don't have all the resources. Uh, they don't have all the funds, obviously. And, and unfortunately, even with, with technology, uh, things can kind of be behind. So, you know, and I'm, I'm curious, you know, what do you kind of just do? Just kind of lay the groundwork and talk a little bit sure. about what you do at Empowered Fundraiser. Thanks for asking. Okay, so I've I caught the AI bug at approximately the same time, you know, other folks did, which was it feels like 30 seconds ago. It also feels like 10 years ago. I'm sure you can relate to that. Um, but it, it started with my mom in Downers Grove, like you and I've talked about. We have both have Chicago roots one way or another. Um, she was the first person in the neighborhood to buy an Apple IIe. So she taught me and then she launched, she was like the OG side hustler. So I learned the benefit of being an early joiner and I'm trying to spread that, you know, that message throughout the nonprofit sector. And now I'm expanding into the private sector as well. But what our company does is we help organizations and individuals raise more money without years of trial and error because there are best practices that have been in place for a very long time. But as you know, the world has changed and some of those best practices are really outdated. So we bring the, I mean, we're all practitioners. I have 12 subject matter experts and um, we bring what's really working today. We do consulting, coaching, and we offer very large professional development programs for higher ed. Love it. Love it. Uh, And hey, as a reminder, everyone, because we already have some people you know, that I know are interested here in the live stream, get your questions in right now. Uh, yeah. So, so Mike uh, saying uh, good morning, community. Good morning, morning Mike. Us. Yeah. Brian uh, saying good morning. Favorite, super curious, happy, happy to learn. Uh, Deborah saying that Ann Crawford <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> We got, we, we got fans. We have, we have uh, connections. I love it. Brian <laughs> saying nonprofits can Brian. absolutely can use AI to their benefit. He works with several. Let's start there. Let's yeah. start with the kind of uh, low hanging fruit to speak, but um, just talking generally and how can nonprofits use generative AI or what are the best ways they can? Because there's no shortage yeah. of ways, I'm sure. But right. if someone comes in and they're like, Ann, I work in a nonprofit. We need to you know, raise more funds. How can mm-hmm. I use AI? What's that one or two sentences that you're going to tell them? I mean, the opportunities are endless. So it's always a challenge for me to pick a few. I will share that I have tons of use cases ready for everybody. So just reach out to me on LinkedIn. It's hashtag Ann Murphy Philanthropy. Um, and I will share those. I, I am delighted for you all to get started on some of these. The ones that seem to be the lowest hanging fruit and make people like breathe a sigh of relief, um, I would say are the, the, the use cases that allow us to collaborate better. So I always say, you know, what, that when we're project managing, we want to like each other even better at the end of the project. But if you think about something like event planning, we usually don't like each other at the end of that. So doing an event plan, a strategy, the briefings, the invitation copy, crunching the data on the re- on the attendees, uh, the mailing list, the thank you notes afterward, the talking points, you can do an entire event. I'm not saying that, you know, it's, it plans the event for you, but all the collaboration and the deliverables can be um, 
just so streamlined and such high quality. And as you know, and lots of your listeners probably know, we can train our our chat GPT on like, let's say your executive director is making remarks. You've probably written remarks for her a thousand times before. You can train ChatGPT so that the first time you kick out those remarks, they're in the voice of your executive director. So I'll share event planning as a use case, very helpful. And then the other one that you and I um, have touched on is grant writing. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, it's such a pain point. Um, I'll use the example of, you know, you've got one project and it's a fantastic one. It's in line with your mission. It's got all kinds of potential to change the world. And you're applying for six different grants. Well, each one of those RFPs has its own little twist on each question, different word counts, different data requirements. And using a large language model, especially like with, um, it's not called code interpreter anymore. What is yeah. it? The advanced data advanced analysis. Data, yes, they've they need have they they need marketing. Um, <laughs> they need some branding work. But you know, especially with the advantage of of all of the technology associated with ChatGPT and OpenAI, um, things like grant applications can be a breeze. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day who had stayed up three nights, three days, three nights straight to get a grant application in because of stuff like the formatting. Yeah. We don't need to do that. We have passion glasses in the nonprofit sector, but we deserve rest. We deserve spaciousness. We deserve to like our jobs and staying up three days in a row is not going to make us like our jobs. So grant applications are a great use case. Hey, this is Jordan, the host of Everyday AI. I've spent more than a thousand hours inside ChatGPT and I'm sharing all of my secrets in our free Prime Prompt Polish ChatGPT course that's only available to loyal listeners like you. Here's what Lindy, who works as an educational consultant, said about the PPP course. I couldn't figure out why I wasn't getting the results from ChatGPT that I needed and wanted. And after taking the PPP course, I now realize that I was not priming correctly. So I will be heading back into ChatGPT right now to practice my priming, prompting, and polishing. Everyone's prompting wrong, and the PPP course fixes that. If you want access, go to podppp.com. Again, that's podppp.com. Sign up for the free course and start putting ChatGPT to work for you. Yeah. And if, if you're listening to this on the podcast, just my face right now is going through a whole range of emotions because everything that Anne's talking about, it's like, I felt all these things and and they were such pain points, but at the time it it, it felt like such a, a, a labor intensive requirement to, to jump through all these hoops and uh, yeah, get that, get that 10 pages down to nine, you, you know, and all these that seemed like silly requirements that now AI and ChatGPT can help with tremendously. Uh, but, but, and I do want to shift a little bit and talk specifically about fundraising mm-hmm. because anyone in the nonprofit world knows that that's usually one of the most important parts of keeping a nonprofit going is you have to mm-hmm. go out there and develop good relationships with, uh, you know, highly visible stakeholders um, and, and raise money. Um, so, 
specifically when we talk about trust, mm-hmm. how can you, um, or how can people out there listening, um, mm-hmm. or maybe in this field, tap into the power of large language models, generative mm-hmm. AI, but still maintain or even improve trust with stakeholders when it comes to even just security of working with numbers and money? How can they do that? Such an important question. I'm, you know, stakeholder trust is our bread and butter in, the, in, in general, right? Um, but particularly in the nonprofit sector where we're asking donors to invest in our mission, it's absolutely critical that they believe that their data in, in particular, right, that their data is safe and secure. Um, and that's one of the things that we are so focused on in the nonprofit sector. And we see, you know, the data leaks in the private sector, and it really causes us to kind of retrench. Um, the first thing I would refer people to is fundraising. AI. This is a movement, actually, um, and includes a framework for responsible AI in fundraising. So you have your go-to resource in that framework for any conversation that you're having with donors or your EDs or your volunteers or your colleagues is, hey, this is, this is what we do in fundraising, right? Data privacy and security, explainability, bias, um, uh, legalities. Uh, let's see, what are some, there's 10 pillars and each one of those addresses like our biggest fears. So dive into the framework, you can sign it. And there is a, um, there's a free summit on October 23rd and 24th. Highly recommend the speakers are awesome, but I'll elaborate on the piece about stakeholder trust. So it makes sense that all of us are focused on, oh my goodness, what if our donors start fearing that our, their data is getting leaked out or used to train the next model? <clears throat> very valid concern, right? So we need to be very, very careful about personally identifying information. And I'll give you an example. So in our consulting company, we don't, uh, we don't receive any confidential information from our clients. Mm-hmm. So we remove all the PIP, PII, all of the, you know, anything that can be tracked back, right? Whether it's an ID number or a name um, or some other identifier, because we want to be able to sleep at night, right, Jordan? Like some of this stuff, we just don't need it weighing on our head. Would it be dope to have all of the data and be able to push that into the model and come up with absolutely yeah. But no, I don't care what system you're using and how sure you are that it's confidential. Just please do not put PII into any of the models. But I will say that it's important for us to take a bigger picture point of view because not only do our donors want us to make sure that their data is safe, they expect us to have well-running business operations, mm-hmm. right? The nonprofit sector has a bad rap, right? Even the word nonprofit, it kind of makes it seem like we're just kind of like over here, la, la, la. We don't have business plans. We don't have business <laughs> models. We don't use tech stacks. We don't hire for, you know, mm-hmm. skills. So, and, you know, we have the overhead myth, right? Donors want their money to go to the thing that they want to designate and they don't want money. Sometimes they don't want money going to operations. So it is absolutely essential as our donors and volunteers whose 
you know, companies and families and neighbors are using this ubiquitous technology of LLMs, we have to be doing so too. They expect us to have well-functioning business ops that are efficient, effective, right? That save money, that allow us to do more. And if we're not doing those things because we're scared, right? It is intimidating. Don't get, I'm, I don't want to sound like I'm not empathetic. But if we're not doing those things that our donors would expect to have a well-functioning business, that's going to hurt donor trust potentially more than any concerns about data security, because we will get that part fixed, right? We will be able to communicate out, but it's that piece. There's You can't really explain having a poorly run business. Yeah. You can't make excuses for it. So it's, yeah, diving yeah. in. It's, it, it's so funny because, you know, when you talk about the expectations, you know, the expectations to have, you know, real business operations and kind of the, uh, the myths or the conceptions around, you know, nonprofits, you know, I would have people ask me back in the day when I, I'm like, oh yeah, I work at, you know, nonprofit called, you know, triple threat mentoring. That's where I worked. And they're like, oh, is that, is that your job? Is that like your full-time right. job? And it's like, right. it's like, right. yeah, I'm managing 30 staff across four yes. different locations across the country. Yeah. It's a real job. Right. Uh, yeah. It, it, speaking of nonprofits, Hey, there's so many people, you know, Brian's talking about, he's currently working. Yeah. Um, you, you know, pillars for a friends of a library org. Yeah. Bronwyn is is talking. Says, "Wow, this is amazing! I volunteer in an animal uh, animal welfare nonprofit." So great, great. Uh, you know, comments. But a question from our audience here. So, uh, Douglas Ann is asking, "What recommendations do you have to tailor AI?" Uh, and you know, depending on what the nonprofit focus is, so whether it's a religious institution, healthcare, child programs, etc., do you have any recommendations on how you can kind of tailor uh, generative AI for different kind of categories? I do, Douglas, and I'll say I'm going to answer the question a little bit differently, which is that I think that the differentiator is actually the use cases. And in fundraising, there are going to be very similar use cases across religious healthcare, children, open space, art, STEM, you know, every single nonprofit has to do a certain, you know, probably eight, about 80% of the same things, right? You're going to apply for grants, you're going to communicate with donors, you're going to do stewardship, you're going to do events, you're going to do impact reports, you're going to work with your board, you know, they're just standard business operations. And I would say that, you know, putting a wrapper around each of those business, you know, um, functions. So the wrapper is your religious organization. The wrapper is, you know, your children's healthcare, et cetera. That part's easy, really, truly. It takes a little bit of work to get your messaging set up just like you would with any other, you know, um, marketing or um, sales or fundraising initiative. But really it's about the use cases and perfecting those processes whether it's um, like the workflow, right? How do you work across your organization? How do you work in your verticals? How do you get yourself ready for AI? That's the thing I would focus on regardless of whatever the mission of your nonprofit, I would begin getting ready for AI. So organize your stuff, right? Not, I'm not talking about, you know, being super, detail oriented about it but you know have your have your different google drive folders all set 
<laughs> have your email, um, you know, platforms ready, have your CRM, you know, ready to have automations connected. So doing those things now, I say going slow to go fast. Mm. So start preparing to build in some of those operations and you will be in really good shape when the tsunami hits. Mm -hmm. um, Jordan, you didn't, you didn't mention, but one of the things that's going to blow everybody's mind, I think, honestly, this week is the addition of the extensions to Google Bard mm -hmm. that'll allow us essentially now our Google drives are like ChatGPT. It's, it's like a chatbot. Um, and I think for those in the nonprofit, if you're not using Google and you're using Microsoft, you'll need to wait a little while for Copilot to come out. But once it does, you'll have the same thing. Yes. Um, oh, yes. I can't I can't wait for that. And it's actually pure coincidence that uh, I'm showing uh, showing a comment right now from someone that works in Microsoft uh, philanthropy. That's beside the point. But, yeah. um, you know, one thing that you said there. Uh, and which is so fascinating, go slow to go fast. And there can't be a truer statement, I think, when it comes to generative AI and large language models. It's something that we teach all the uh, all the time in our uh, Prime Prompt Polish, our free PPP course, yes. is if you just want generative AI to be a shortcut, that's not how it works. You do have to put in a little bit of work up front kind of yeah. going to Douglas's point about, you, you know, kind of creating these different, you know, wrappers, like, yes, you have to put the time in. Um, so, so thanks for that question, uh, Douglas, that was great. And we actually yeah. have another question from a former everyday AI uh, guest, uh, which you got to go check out Yogesh's show. It was amazing. But, uh, and what, uh, so Yogesh is asking, what do you see as the future uh, of fundraising? And I'm guessing, you, you know, kind of uh, inferring uh, as it comes or as it uh, pertains to AI. As it pertains to AI. So I do predict the same thing that folks are talking about in the other sectors, which is that the folks who are not using AI will just, their jobs are going to fade away. And so while, you know, you and I were joking about that, you know, when you go to college, a lot of, you know, the professors are, are rumored to say, look to your right, look to your left, and only one of you or something like one of the three of you will still be here in six months. I do not like being a doomsayer, but I will say that all signals indicate that we are not going to need as many of us in marketing right? Hi, Tyler. We're not going to need as many of us in marketing. And so some of those jobs will fade away. And my passion is for folks who currently are in marginalized groups to seize the power of this technology and be the leaders in AI, right? Be the one to raise your hand and say, I want to be on the AI council, right? I want to go to this, you know, $27 training, you know, I want to, I'm going to watch Jordan's show every single morning and I'm going to become the person that people go to. So I'm super passionate about the power structure in nonprofit and to Yogesh's set, uh, question, I do believe that the power imbalance is going to right itself a little bit, right? We've got donors, we've got EDs, we've got fundraisers. We've always perceived it to be like this. I believe that this is going to provide the fundraisers the opportunity to work on common ground because we're going to be such um, efficient um, um, leaders and communicators about our organization. We're going to stand out. Yeah. But the future of fundraising, let me say one more thing about that is I do believe um, 
that the future of nonprofit fundraising workforce will absolutely require that we embrace AI. Gen Z is not joining organizations that are old school. So, you know, we talk about donor retention. I'm talking about, you know, our workforce retention. We have to make this an attractive career path. It's not an attractive career path if we're sitting around saying we're not going to use AI. So dive in. This is a recruiting tool. You're giving people the opportunity to rise above. Do it. Get Gen Z on board. Such a such a good point, Anne, because that's another struggle. I I, I would say from our you know from from my background, you, you know, being the um, executive director of operations for a nonprofit is one fundraising and two attracting. A lot of times, you, you know, you yeah, like you want to bring in kind of the the next generation of a passionate uh, employees yes. who can help push your organization forward. It's it's two huge. Uh, issues. And uh, I, I love that you address both of them uh, right there. So uh, we've been, we've been a little bit all over. I, th- I think we've uh, co- uncovered so many great um, pieces of insights and in, in Intel uh, in this conversation, but what would your one last takeaway be? So uh, you've piqued someone's interest, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they're like, okay, you know, we talked about a lot, someone's mm-hmm. in a nonprofit, what's your one piece of advice for them to start using generative AI today in their nonprofit organization? So we did this yesterday in a training, make a list of the things that you don't like to do, and then make a list of the things that you do like to do. In the list of things you don't like to do, it's going to be a bunch of stuff that a large language model can help you with, right? It's going to be the grant writing, the grant application rewriting, You know, the letters, the routine communication, the writing the newsletter and hitting the deadline. So make a list of the things that you don't like doing. Again, this goes back to retention. You deserve to like your job. You deserve to like your job. You dive in with one example of addressing something that you don't like to do. I would love, and Jordan, I'm sure this happens with you. I would love to hear from any member of your audience about a use case that they've decided to dive into. Like DM me on LinkedIn. Let me know. Did you start with an annual fund letter? Did you start with an impact? Oh God, an impact report. Beautiful use case. Did you start with, you know, a newsletter article? So I would say, again, make that list, things you don't like to do and start knocking them out one by one. Start with one. So yeah. So good. So good. Yeah. It's similar, similar advice I always give out is, is don't, don't pay attention to all the, you know, the shiny things that are going on in the world of AI, see where you're spending your time um, and, and see where those manual tasks are, especially in the nonprofit world. Those, those things stack up quickly uh, just because sometimes, you know, access to technology and information is costly um, and it's something nonprofits struggle with. Yes. Um, And this is free. It's free. Yeah. Currently. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's currently it's it's free or extremely affordable, right? Extremely like even something like yeah. Chat GPT plus at $20 a month, you know, even, even nonprofits on a budget, I think can, can afford that. Um, so, so, and thank you so much for joining us. We covered a lot, Thanks but for having uh, me. Don't, don't worry. We're going to be sharing a lot more uh, in our daily newsletter. Um, so, and thank you again for coming on the everyday AI show and talking everything AI and fundraising. Absolutely. So happy to be here. Invite anybody to reach out to me. I'll help however I can.
Absolutely. Hey, and we did cover a lot. We were talking specific dates and specific uh, conferences, all that. Don't worry. It's all going to be in the daily newsletter. So that and more, we're going to recap. And that's, that's the other thing. If you're listening on the podcast, you got to sign up for the newsletter, go to your everyday AI.com. We it's break really everything down. We break, we spend so much time breaking everything down and, and, you know, making sense of all the noise that's happening in the world of AI. And then really with our daily discussions, um, giving you the, the, the key takeaways and more. I'm actually going to drop in a couple uh, couple unrelated things with nonprofits. So if you're in nonprofits, make sure you check out today's newsletter and make sure you check out the rest of the shows this week on Everyday AI. Thank you for joining us. And that's a wrap for today's edition of Everyday AI. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a rating. It helps keep us going. For a little more AI magic, visit youreverydayai.com and sign up to our daily newsletter so you don't get left behind. Go break some barriers and we'll see you next time.